0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. All right, so I know you all think I'm a young man still, right? Denise says, nope. Well, I just was uh, thinking. It uh, came about slang, slang, and I was thinking about. Uh, so I started looking up and, and identified some slang words. Yeah, let's don't put that up there. Oh yeah, oh well, that's fine, that's fine, man, Mitchell. I forget. I can't see the builds. Um, slang from the 1970s. That's when I was in high school and in college. Okay. Um, catch you on the flip side. So what I say is if, if you know that, if you heard that, and you know what it means. Raise your hand. Catch on the flip side. Okay. That goes back to when you had the record players, right, in the vinyls, and there was a flip side, one song on one side and one on the other. And so it came to mean see you tomorrow or whatever's next, but it's just whatever's next, okay? Um, how about boogie? Or boogie down? How, how do you know? Oh, okay, huh? For those you don't know, that means to really get out there and dance and boogie, boogie down. Okay. How about the man? Now, the man has actually become, it's still going today, but it was back in the 70s when they started talking about the man. Who was that? That was whatever authority you were not very happy with, the man. How about spaz? Because you guys know somebody who's a spaz, right? (laughs) They're spazzing out, okay. Uh, How about cool beans? Remember that? Yeah. Okay, now this one, at least for me, I have to say with an accent. It's just the way it goes. 10-4, good buddy. 10-4, right? You remember that? And and of course, the the CB radio is all the craze. And uh, how about this one? Take a chill pill. Okay. Space cadet. Someone who's a space cadet. How about someone who's out to lunch? We didn't mean they were out eating somewhere, did we? No, they're out to lunch. How about, you may not know this one, the skinny. Hey, give me the skinny on that. What are we talking about? Give me just the, the, the low down, the basic truth. Just tell me, that, you know, what's the facts here? Give, give me the skinny on that. And then Duke Herget reminds us of this one every time he's here, Pastor Duke, right? You can say it with me. Far out, man, far out. That's right. So slang, it's interesting. It has a way of, you know, each generation, and it goes along, slang comes up, and and word meanings get sometimes adopted and changed. One of the ones that really uh, was just like, what? When I first moved to New England, I was out with a young man in the church. We are driving around, and he said something about, oh, man, that's wicked good. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's a New England thing. But anyway, so slang uh, works its way into the, the language and uh, communicates different things. There is some modern slang, which probably has come out of, out of the, the black culture, but it's making its way on out into the, the culture beyond that. And that's the use of the word word. Okay, so word, when it's, defin- when it's used as an exclamation, it's used as an exclamation of agreement and appreciation. It's used when someone has said something impo- important or profound and then the person respond with word, <coughs> word. And, and it comes from the idea, you know, that my, my word is my bond, word is, you know, it's establishing something as true and important. And so they say word. Now. If something is really meaningful, this gets expanded to word, man, word. <laughs> kind of like far out, man, far out, right. But word, man, word. And so it's a positive thing. So it's, it's interesting to me because I think about it. Every Sunday I come in here and I preach what to you? The word. The word. Is it important? Yes. Significant, is it profound? Is it deep and meaningful? Does it matter? So when we talk about preaching the word, our response would be what? Word. Word. And particular things we might say, word man, word. It's kind of like, um, this expression is like when you read through the Psalms and you come across the word Selah. I don't know if you've ever noticed that, but in the Psalms it it goes along and it's Selah and they think that this was a, a, a term describing how they would use this in their worship, that wow, this is time to stop and ponder we just said, like, wow, or word, <laughs> okay? Uh, you know, I think that we would say, if I said, you know, hey, Jesus loves every one of us, and he knows that we need to be forgiven, so he died to pay the penalty for our sins, that so we might be forgiven and have eternal life, you know, he rose again from the dead, and we would go, word, word, right? And if I went on and said, not only did he love everyone and died for them, he died for those who hate him. He died for those who have no use for him, who don't want to have anything to do with him. He died and paid the penalty for their sins too because that's how much he loves. And we say, what? Word, man, word. Well, today I want to talk to you about, begin a sermon series here. Um, entitled, We Are His Witnesses. Now, if, if, if we talked about this day, if I asked you about it, we would have come in and said, oh yeah, that's one of the things we do, right? It's the third right there on the list. We tell others about the Lord. Okay? But I think, I've said this to you so many times, and it's because it's true. It's so easy for us to have a list of things that we believe and know what we believe, but how do we live. We, sometimes we live in ways that don't flesh out what we say we believe. And so this idea of we are his witnesses, I want you to see today uh, what level the Lord intends for this to have in your life, how important it is, and, and when we consider what's really going on there, how profound it is. And, and I'm not interested in the response of your mouth to this, but I am interested in the response of your heart that as we go through and look at this today, you would say, word man, word, so true. Needs to change my life. So, with that in mind, let's go to the book of Acts, chapter one, very familiar verse two, uh, probably most of you, we actually looked at it a few weeks ago, Acts chapter one and verse eight, it's page 1252 in the Bible that's in the chairs there. If you don't have a Bible with you, we really encourage you to to pick up one of those under the chairs and follow along. It'll be helpful to you. Acts chapter one. This is a a continuation of, in essence, of Luke's gospel. He ends up uh, with the resurrection of Christ and the Great Commission. And then he continues his story in what we call the book of Acts. And he tells us here how Jesus, his last words to his, his disciples as he prepared to leave and then he leaves the earth. But verse number eight, we wanna focus in on here and really just one part of verse number eight. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So just let me say this. And we're talking about being his witnesses, not just being his witnesses. We're talking about surrendering to the Lord. We're talking about growing to be like the Lord and we're talking about we tell others about the Lord or witnessing. We can't accomplish any of that in our own strength. We must be dependent on the Lord to work in our lives. We must trust that the Holy Spirit will do the things that God has promised, that He will work through us and He will produce through us. But isn't that an encouragement? Uh, is this, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing when we start to realize well, I can't, I can't make this happen. I've talked to you before. I can stand up here and preach. I, I'm capable of talking and saying the words and putting things together. But every, you know, I'm reminded every week as I as I prepare and as I. I come to preach that the Holy Spirit must speak to you today, right? If You just hear my words, then you haven't heard from God and you need to hear from God, and so the Holy Spirit must do that, and the same is true with our witnessing. And does the Holy Spirit want to do what God tells you to do? Yeah, I mean, so he's he's there with you to work in you and through you, and to show you what needs to change and what needs to be strengthened and what needs to be continued and what needs to be stopped. He's there to, to uh, empower the things that you do, okay? So he says, you're gonna receive power. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you. And then this phrase, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We talked about that a few weeks ago. The idea is this witness is to go not just here but also out there at the same time. Okay, we talked about how to do that. I encourage you if you you didn't hear that sermon to go back and find it. It's one of the last three sermons there. Um, But what I want you to see is this. He says, and you shall be witnesses to me in these places. This word... Let me ask you a question. Is that a command? This is one of Walt's trick questions. Is that a command? I would say it's not. The command is the Great Commission. Everywhere you go in the world, make disciples. Okay? Bring them to Christ, baptize them, teach them. This is not a command. This, if you want a grammar lesson, those of you who like grammar, this is future indicative. This means he's talking about what's gonna happen. The Holy Spirit's gonna come upon you and then you what? Uh, you are going to be witnesses. Not you need to become witnesses. You are witnesses. And this is important for us to understand because it's no longer a question of are we witnesses? Once we come to know Christ as Savior, we become his follower. Once we are there, it's no longer a question of are we witnesses? The question is what kind of witness are you? Are you a faithful witness? Or are you an unfaithful witness? Are you an effective witness or are you an ineffective witness? And we, right, you see the difference? So it's about what kind of witness we are, not whether or not uh, we are witnesses. We are witnesses. So the question, what kind of witnesses are we? And so here's, here's the question. What do the people who are around you know about Jesus because of you? Word, man. All right? That's a big question, isn't it? What do the people who are around you in life know about Jesus because of you and your witness? And that will help us to know what kind of witnesses we are, won't it? And, and I would say this to you, and let me just, it's so easy uh, for when I'm preaching to you, and, and I'm gonna challenge you pretty hard today, but I want you to know that this is not to intended to put a burden on you, because, one of the statements I read somewhere one time, somebody said, if you want to embarrass a Christian, ask them about their prayer life. Right, because how many of you feel like I could do a better job at praying? Right, I mean, see, we know that. Okay, how many of you could do a better job at witnessing? We can all raise our hands. And so I'm not looking to beat you up about that at all, but it is so important. It so matters because we are witnesses, all right? So. I'm going to say some things today that, that I hope will challenge you. Challenge me. hope it challenges you. But the goal is not to make you feel guilty today, okay? Can you hear that from my heart? That's not the goal. The goal is that we come together and, and, and look to the Lord and say, God, what do you want from me in this area of my life? I'm going to, I'm going to surrender to you today about whatever it is that you want from me in my life and in this area that we're talking about. So let's talk about what it means to be a witness. That might help a little bit here. Uh, witness is someone who can give a firsthand account of something that they have seen, heard, or experienced. A firsthand account, okay? You go into a courtroom and someone is called as a witness. It's because they have what? Seen something or they've heard something or they've experienced something. And, and they are asked questions about that. Now. The first time that they say, well, I was told that Bill said, what does the other attorney do? (laughs) Jump up and ejects, why? Hearsay, Your Honor, this is hearsay. This witness hasn't seen this or heard this themselves, okay? And uh, so very rare places where they let that kind of testimony go on. So it's about what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have experienced. Uh, let's turn just a little farther in your Bible to Acts uh, one twenty-one. It's just the next page in your Bible, the, the, the Bible in the chairs there. Acts chapter one. Uh, Judas has betrayed Christ. He has taken his own life. Now there are only 11 of the apostles, and so they figure out what are we gonna do, and they need to choose someone. So they say this in verse 21. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they're saying what? We need to, to choose a person who's what? Who's been here, who has seen all of these things, who has heard these things, who experienced them with us, and who can then tell others about what they have seen, heard, and experienced. Go way toward the back of your Bible, the First John, page 1388 in the Bible that's in the chair, 1388, First 1 John chapter 1. And this is John, the apostle, here talking, and, and listen to what he says. Verse one, chapter one. That which was from the beginning, which we have what? Which we have what? No, okay, I'm sorry, I'm continuing. Which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands of handled. We actually touched this, we felt him. Concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have what? Seen. And bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That wit, so that, that which we have, what? Seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. We want you to experience the joy that we have because of what we have seen heard and experienced. We have this joy, and we're telling you so that you can share the same joy. Now sometimes when I'm preaching long, I forget things that I have planned to say. So something just popped into my mind, I'm gonna say it before I forget it. I'm just about to forget it. Let me say this to you, that uh, I think a lot of Christians walk around in life, they've been saved, they've come to believe who Jesus is, But they are not experiencing a joy-filled life. They aren't experiencing the reality of God each and every day and and excited about it. And and I would say to you, many of them have worked on surrendering to the Lord. We come and worship. They're growing to be like the Lord. You know what's missing? Telling others. Because when you start letting the Holy Spirit lead you and work through you when it comes to telling others, it will change your life. It'll add a dimension to your Christianity that has been missing because you will be walking in the Spirit. You've got to walk in the Spirit. Man, it's relatively easy to come here and worship together and mean those things when we sing them, isn't it? I mean, you know, so moving and, and then we're learning and we're growing and it's so good. But tell you what, it's when you get out there in the world and and you look at these people around you and you say oh God how do I witness to these people and then some little idea pops in your head and you say that must be you God because it sure ain't me (laughs) and you say something and God works do you think it would change your perspective on your church if you were witnessing to someone and, and then they came to church with you I guarantee all of a sudden you'd be one thinking about everything that's going on and how's it affect, I mean, you know, you're gonna get engaged. I mean, so God will change our lives. And and I'll mention that more later, I hope. (laughs) So the idea here is we say, okay, well how can we be witnesses? We weren't here, were we? (laughs) We weren't here, we didn't see Jesus rise from the dead. We didn't experience his teachings firsthand. We, you know, what can we bear witness to? Well, the Apostle Paul didn't walk with Jesus. Now the Lord did show up to him a couple times and, and work in his life. But nonetheless, right from the point of his salvation before Jesus had ever, I mean he heard a voice from heaven, but besides that, and he got saved. After, at that very point in time before he knew anything else, here's what the Lord spoke to Paul through a man named Ananias, he said this, For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. What you have seen and heard. What you have seen and heard. Well, what have you seen and heard? Have you heard the gospel? Anybody here heard the gospel? Have you seen the difference it makes in people's lives? Have you seen how living by his word changes things? Have you heard testimonies of how God, we have, right? We've all heard and seen things and experienced things. And if you have received Christ as Savior, you have a story to tell. You've seen things, you've heard things, you've experienced things. You have something to witness about. And it's just, it's what you have heard and seen and experienced. I said, so what is your story? Let me tell you my story. My story is that I grew up, I grew up in a Methodist church. It was a fine church in the community I was in. And uh, my parents um, were in the church and when I was in sixth grade they quit going to church because of a uh, big disagreement over whether or not they ought to be able to serve coffee to adults in Sunday school or not. Typical church kind of thing. Sad. But I kept going, my brother kept going, and so I, I kept going, and my parents were fine with that. They, um, and by the way, you probably figure out my parents were on the pro-coffee side. <laughs> which is why we say bring your coffee in, right? Coffee shouldn't keep people from Jesus. Um, but so I stayed, junior high, high school. And, and those of you who've been in the Methodist Church, how many of you have ever been part of a Methodist Church? Yes, oh wow, okay, a bunch of us. Um, my junior year, because of how they structured their youth group and how that worked, I was the president of the MYF, the UMYF, the United Methodist, Youth fellowship. And, and I was a junior high school. In my senior year, I quit going to church. I'm 17, 18 years old. Life is happening. Very typical young man. I'm, we're, you know, playing football. Some of our games are Saturday night. We stay out afterwards. We stay out late. And getting up Sunday morning was just hard. Let me say something that was interesting to me. My mother talked to me about that and said, you know, you really shouldn't let staying out late keep you from going. And I remember kind of thinking, Mom, you're not going. Parents? Do I need to say anything more about that kind of thing? <coughs> um, anyway, so I stopped going uh, because, like I said, I was just I was into things that weren't consistent with Christianity and just was busy. It you know, wasn't important. I didn't know Christ as Savior. And so... Um, during my senior year of high school, I started dating a girl, and I've told you this story before, and just to be clear, I'm, and it's not my wife, and I wish it was my wife, but it wasn't my wife. I started dating a girl who attended a, a Baptist church, and she invited me to church. I don't know what her parents were doing letting me date her when I didn't know, anyway, that's another story. <laughs> so I started attending church, and man, they believed the Bible. You know what I mean? That guy stood up and preached like he meant it. So I started listening and I'm, I'm trying to sort this stuff out. Uh, this is uh, 1973, going to 1974. And I finally said, well, I, yeah, I, I must have received Christ as Savior because if you haven't received Christ as Savior, you're, you're going to hell. And I am definitely not going to hell. I must be saved. Now what kind of logic is that? But it was unsaved logic is what it was. And so I started going to church, I I got baptized, little trivia point for you, I got baptized wearing makeup. Because I was singing and dancing in a variety show at an amusement park and I came on a Sunday night after working that day straight from there and got baptized wearing my makeup. But I didn't know the Lord. I still didn't know the Lord. And so I continued going Uh, through this this school year and into into my first year of college and about January of that year all of a sudden I I heard a sermon uh, and it hit me. He asked the question I'd heard lots of times before are you sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today you'd go to heaven? And for whatever reason it got through and I know the reason the Holy Spirit and I'd been there long enough right and it just finally got through and hit me. I did not have that confidence. I did not know that. And it took me three months of wrestling with that issue until finally one day I just said to God, and I'm going to go into the whole story, I finally said to God, okay God, I know it, I am not saved. And the moment I said that to him, it was like all of a sudden, and just, I didn't see anything, but I, I felt like the heavens opened and I was making a connection. I'm not saved, God. I believe Jesus died for me and rose again and I receive him as my savior right now. And it's more of a story, but I told some people and it settled me for, for me forever. I have never doubted ever since that my sins are forgiven and that I'm going to heaven. Not because of me, but because of him. And the idea is, if if I'm not saved, it's because none of it's true. But it is true. And that's how confident I am in that, what God has done in my life. And then He has changed my life. He changed about what I thought was important. He changed how I looked at the world because I began to understand His word more and began teaching it and got involved. And and I, I was surrendered to the Lord. I was growing to be like the Lord. And I was involved in telling others about the Lord. And it just changed my life. That's my story. Now, your story is different than mine. Does that catch God by surprise? That your story is different than mine? No, your story is different than mine, and that's a good thing. But you have a story to tell. That's what you can be a witness to. You're a witness to Christ through your own story. The Apostle Paul, when he tells his story, he says, here's what my life was like before I came to Christ, here's how I came to Christ, and here's what my life is like now. The way I was, how I got saved, how my life has changed. Do you have a story like that? If you receive Christ as Savior, you should have a story like that. And if you don't, maybe we should have a different conversation. All right, so we all can be witnesses uh, to what the Lord has done for us. In fact, let me back up. I said that wrong. If we know Christ, we all what? Are his witnesses. The question is, are we acting like it, you know, that we are witnesses. Now, I want to, to encourage you to say, wow, I can be a witness, but I'm going to tell you something that, that seems strange about that. Here's the deal. If you Jesus said if you, become a, if you witness faithfully for him, you might get killed. In the book of Revelation, we see this verse. I saw the souls of those who had been what? Beheaded for their witness to Jesus. Have we seen any of that in the last few years? People being wi- had beheaded for their, their witness for Christ? Yeah. Thankfully not here for the most part. It can, can take your life. Um, The very word that that we, uh, the very word witness, if you go back to the Greek language, the word for that is martus. And we get our word martyr from that. And so when Jesus says you're going to be witnesses, yeah, that means some of you are going to be martyrs. Jesus warned his disciples, he said this, that yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. He's doing something for God. And there are places in the world today where you could lose your life if you open your mouth for Christ. There are. You can be, think about this. Last Sunday we did not live stream our, ser- our preaching. Why? Because our guest speaker works in a place where if it's found out what you're doing, you could be at best thrown out of the country. At worst, you could be beaten, tortured, killed. This is real stuff. I'm glad it's not here. You see, what I want you to see about that is how important is this witnessing thing? How important is it? How much does it matter? Well, it matters so much you could lose your life over it. Do you want to lose your life over something that's stupid and petty? Would, Would God call us to do that? No, he says, look, this is how big a deal is. It is such a big deal that if you get serious about witnessing for me, you're gonna attract the attention of the enemy. You will. We have an enemy, Satan our enemy. And if you get serious about witnessing and you're letting the Holy Spirit lead you along and he's leading you along and you're being faithful and presenting it and that's going to start making a difference in people's lives, maybe their eternal destiny will be changed because of it. You're, doing this. you're going to attract the enemy's attention and he's going to do his best to undermine you, get you to doubt, get you to focus on all sorts of things except telling other people. He do not want you to do that. Um, and so, those are the kinds of things, though, that we come up with excuses, don't we? To excuse ourselves from our responsibility to witness. It, folks, if we are going to be faithful to do this, we tell others about the Lord. If we are gonna be faithful and effective witnesses, we have to stop making excuses for ourselves. And again, I'm not interested in making you feel guilty. Today. That is, I just want you to relook at your life. I looked at mine and say, yeah, you know what? I'm not saying it out loud, but I kind of got an excuse here why I didn't do it, I got an excuse of why I didn't do it there, and I got, I got a reasons why. We need to be honest with ourselves before God and stop making excuses. And there's lots of excuses we can have. We can have this excuse that, well, I, I, don't, I don't know what I need to know to be a witness. Is there a solution to that? Yes. Okay, so we know, but we gotta learn then whatever we need to know. How about this? Any of you say, you know, I, I can't talk to people. I, when I start talking, especially like this, I get nervous, I get scared, my hands get sweaty, my breath gets short, my tongue disconnects from my brain and falls on the ground, and I step on it. Some of you feel that way, right? It's okay that you feel that way. But what you can't do is say, that excuses me from my responsibility. What that needs to do is to drive you to say, oh God, I am in a world of hurt here. I am surrendering to you. I will be an, a faithful witness to you, but God, that means I am going I don't know how to deal with this fear of that. I don't know how to deal with my, my struggle to remember things. I don't know how to deal with this and everything, but God, I will do it. I need you to work in my life. Now, can you already see how that's gonna change your approach to life? We all wanna live in this nice, comfortable zone where I, I know what I need to know and I can handle what I need to handle, right? I'm all set, I don't And this will push you into a place where you cannot live that way. It'll change your Christianity. You'll have something to say. And, and so, here's the thing. Let me tell you a story. It comes from the Bible. Jesus healed a man who had been born blind. And that was a something. That they said, you know, people who had lost their sight, sometimes they would figure out how to heal them because they, they used to see. But someone who was born blind, that means there's something missing. And Jesus healed a man who was born blind. Quite a miracle. And it created quite a stir. And so the religious leaders of the day got all worked up over this because they didn't like Jesus, you know, being seen in this positive way. And so they, they went after this man whose sight had been restored. And they challenged him. They asked him questions. They ask him theological questions. They ask him personal questions. They do this, and they keep asking him in questions. And guess what? He didn't know how to answer them all. He did not have all the answers. And, and a bunch of you already know, though, what, what did he finally say to them? He says this, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I and mean, I add these words, you deal with it. What I wanna to say to you is that you say, I'm gonna be a witness and I don't know all the answers, fine, you know, you, you, I don't know the answer to that question, I don't know the answer to that question, I don't know the other question, but I tell you, it doesn't shake my faith because let me tell you, this thing I know, I received Jesus my Savior and it's changed my life. You see that? You deal with it. I mean, its they can't even argue with your experience. And your experience is built on the word of God. It has a solid, solid foundation. So what you want to do, and and by the way, if you know answers, great. Have those discussions. But here's what you want to say. You want to say, let me tell you what happened to me. Yeah, you want to fight about all this Democrat, Republican stuff and all this whole mess that our country's in, you know, I'd rather not. Let me tell you what happened to me. I'm going to heaven no matter what happens there. Right, let me tell you what happened to me. And then you, you if you can't say, hey, let's sit down over a cup of coffee and you have a conversation about it. You, you maybe you invite them over for dinner. Hey, or, or you even get really bold and invite them to church or a church event or something, all right? So it's, it's about just being open and, and sharing what God has done in your life. Can you understand why it's hard to be a witness if you aren't really experiencing the Christian life? Because you don't have anything to say. That's kind of a sidetrack. I'll get back in here where I'm supposed to be. Um, so here's the thing. Some of you are saying, why well, can't be a witness? Because you are comparing yourself to other people what that means. You know, like Walt, well, well of course you can talk, of course you can explain the gospel, you know, you know all that stuff and you're able to talk and all that, I, I can't do that. Well let me tell you, when it comes to witnessing, don't compare yourself to other people. Don't compare yourself to what other people do and how they do it. Learn from them, sure, but don't compare yourself, but do witness. Because what happens if we say, oh, I'm not like that, I can't do that, and then we do what? Step back. I can't do that, I don't witness. How can you say to God I don't witness when he says you are one? You gotta surrender to the Lord in it. Don't compare yourself to others, do witness. And so here's the thing, some, some people are great talkers. Okay? Some people are really good at that, some people aren't so good at that. I cannot today excuse you from your responsibility to be ready to share the gospel. The Bible tells us where to be ready to do that. Nobody will, and you know, if you say, Well, I, my witness is how I live, the right statement is my witness is part of how, part of my witness is how I live. Nobody will ever get saved just from watching how you live. They won't. How you live will get give great credibility to what you say about how to be saved. That makes sense? Somebody's gotta give some words, and maybe that's some way we can work together Some people are great with words. Some people are really good at supporting. Hey, I can help people. I can help people who are out there witnessing it. I wanna figure out some ways to do that. Some people are just, uh, you know, they really, really pray. They pray like all of us ought to pray, but they pray, pray, and I will pray for people witnessing and all of that all the time. Some people say, hey, what do you need money-wise to make this happen? I'll give, because I really care about reaching people for Christ. I'll do that. We all have those strengths, but we all also still have the responsibility to say, God, I will share the gospel if you want me to, when you want me to. And then if you find yourself t- opportunity to share and you've got to make a decision and the only thing that's holding you back is fear. Can I tell you how to deal with fear? I remember standing on the 10-foot high dive board. Now, that's a small thing, but when you're a kid, that's huge, isn't it? And I finally figured out somehow or other. I said the, the only way to, to get there, you know, there's a whole bunch of kids in line behind me. I don't want to go back down. The only way to do this is to what? Jump in. And I survived. And so, if you find yourself in a situation where you are the one, you are the one here who has the opportunity to say something, and you need to say something, and you can't figure out, what to say, and you're afraid, jump in. You think you can mess it up so bad that God can't save that person? If you're following his promptings, he'll use what you have to say. Even if it means you have gotta go back later and say, you know when I was talking the other day, I told y'all things all wrong. Let me clear that up for you. It wouldn't matter. God's working. And so we need to come together and, like I said, take advantage of each other's strengths in this. Focus on your strength. If talking isn't your strength, fine. Focus on something. See, here's the deal. You don't compare yourself. Do witness. And you don't have to do everything, but do something. Do you care about, and I'm not asking you to respond to me, do you care about people who are dying going to hell? Do you care about being faithful to the Lord because of what he's done for you? Do you care about those things? Then do something. Let me give you an example. and. Um, I want to just encourage you that you know, we are going forward with chunk or treat that enough people you know, signed up so we can do that and thank you so much to all of you who signed up and, and I know that there are probably some of you who have scheduling conflicts that prevent you from being able to do that I get that but Jesus talking to the rich man says okay yeah you've done all this stuff but one thing is lacking and here's what you need to do I kinda feel that way about our church, okay? As your pastor, I feel that way about our church, that yeah, we are surrendering to the Lord, we're coming to worship, we're taking that serious, we're growing, uh, you know, and one thing is lacking, and that's that we're really, really doing a good job of telling others. I think it's lacking, and some of you do it, I know, and that's good, but you understand what I'm talking about as church, and here's what I mean. So we come for, um, to do trunk or treat and we're talking about it being an outreach and, and I'm not scolding I just want to illustrate to you what my sense is about this that we have to for weeks and weeks and weeks say come on come on come on let's get involved get involved some way and most of these ways aren't talking come on come on we, we need to try to reach people let's do some outreach here let's, uh, we gotta, come on come on come on come on and I don't think it should have to be that way I think that we all want to say we want to reach people. Wow, there's an opportunity, I can be involved in that. My schedule, I can do that. Let me tell you, I had one man, when we had this meeting, the very first meeting scheduled back in August about this, after church, and we invited every one of you to stick around for 10 or 15 minutes, and about 15 people did. Maybe every one of you had something you absolutely had to go to that day. And like I said, I'm not trying to scold you. I'm trying to get you to think, are we where we need to be, see? But I had one man who came up to me and said, I can't stay for this meeting. I want to be involved. Put me down wherever you need me. And see, what I would want to see is I want to see 150 of you with that attitude. You see what I'm saying? We want to be a part of reaching people for Christ. And I think that's in your heart you know the Lord, it's in your heart. That's what he wants from you. And I think it's what you want. So let's remember, if we're going to be faithful followers of Christ, witnessing is non-optional. Right? It's non-optional. And Jesus told them that. He said, you shall be witnesses to me. Word man. Word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that there were people who were faithful to witness to me. My girlfriend's parents, Father, they're faithful witness to me. Bob Cummings, the youth pastor, his faithful witness to me, the pastor's witness to me, the pastor's wife, other people in that church who just loved me and reached out to me. Thank you that they were willing to do that, that I know you. All of us, Father, somebody has reached out to us somehow, some way. Thank you for that. You've called us to be your witnesses. You say that we are, Lord. That deep down, desire in our hearts is to, we want to be faithful in that. We want to be effective in it. And lots of things seem to get in our way. But Father, we, I'm praying on behalf of these people here today, Father, I trust that most, if not all, their hearts are here. I want to pray that we surrender to you in this to become faithful and effective witnesses. That we will not let this slide in our life. Oh God, I look forward to the change it's going to make. Not just in us reaching people and having new people in the church that we're helping to become faithful disciples of the Lord, but what it's going to do in us as we learn to walk day in and day out in total dependence on you. Give us all a vision, Father, for what that could be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed.